Welcome back to Catechist Chats. I hope this is a place where you feel supported in your mission as we come together to just talk about those things that we as catechists uniquely experience. So today we're going to be receiving encouragement and catechetical advice from one of the greatest catechists of all time, the father of catechesis, St. Augustine. So a quick refresher on his background, Augustine lived from 354 to 430 AD. You may remember that Augustine's mom was St. Monica, and she raised him in the faith, but he left his Christian background. And this deeply saddened St. Monica, and she fervently prayed for his conversion. Augustine's wayward lifestyle consisted of joining the Manichaean sect, chasing after worldly pleasures, and having an affair with a woman and an illegitimate son. However, in the midst of this, he had an interest in philosophy and a desire to know the truth. He became a rhetoric professor in Milan, and there he met Ambrose the bishop. And through the bishop's friendship and lectures, he became skeptical of his Manichaean faith, and his interest in Christianity was reawakened. He was also inspired by reading about the life of St. Anthony in the desert, and by hearing an inner voice saying, Take up and read. And as he read, he was drawn to the passage of Romans 13, verses 13 through 14. Let us conduct ourselves becomingly as in the day, not in reveling and in drunkenness, not in debauchery and licentiousness, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. So Augustine then formally converted to Christianity in 386 and was baptized by Ambrose in 387. He became a priest and later became the Bishop of Hippo. And he then spent the remaining years of his life producing many writings. Some of his most notable works include the Confessions, where he details his inner journey of conversion and where he confesses his sins, but only in the light of God. And it thus became a praise to God and a thanksgiving to God um, for his transforming work. And he also wrote City of God. And so he's the father of the church who left the greatest number of works. So we have an incredible treasury of catechetical advice from him as catechists. So today we'll be drawing, though, from his book, The First Catechetical Instruction. Um, this instruction highlights Augustine's unique way of catechizing that he personally developed. His approach and model contain timeless principles that continue to be fruitful for those who imitate his teaching method today. Um, so Augustine wrote this instruction as a response to the deacon and catechist Dio Gracias. This deacon asked Augustine for advice on how to present the truth, and he confides in Augustine about how his catechetical work lately has been wearisome. And the deacon finds himself discouraged in his mission in so many ways, and Augustine expresses that he's happy to help. And he says, I desire the Lord's treasure to be distributed. The more am I bound when I perceive that the stewards, my fellow servants, find any difficulty in dispensing it, to do all that I can that they may be able to compass easily and readily what they diligently and earnestly desire. So, you know, all of us at some point of our journey as catechists have felt discouraged in the same areas as the deacon. So as you listen, put yourself in the deacon's shoes and imagine yourself sitting at Augustine's coffee table and let him encourage you. So the first discouragement that the deacon expresses is that his catechesis seems worthless because he feels like he can't find the words to properly express to his students what he understands about his faith. But Augustine thinks that the inadequacy of language must not discourage us. He says, you ought not to account your efforts fruitless, simply because you do not express so clearly as you wish the things which you perceive. So I think we can all relate to this struggle. We can be so hard on ourselves when giving talks, but I think we worry because we care. We love the faith so much and we know what a life-changing treasure it is that we want our students to understand it and receive it in its fullness. We want our words to do the faith justice. But think about it, it's so natural for our words to fall short of the amazing reality of God. Augustine says, For however widely our spoken word differs from the rapidity of our understanding, greater by far is the difference between mortal flesh and equality with God. 
So God is a mystery. He's beyond anything we could ever fully understand, imagine, or describe. And Augustine says we see God only through a dark manner and through a glass now. And we won't be able to grasp the full picture of God until heaven. So if a fruitful catechesis does not depend entirely on our words, then what does it depend upon? And the answer to this is the central theme running throughout all of his instruction. And it's this. A fruitful catechesis comes from our love for what we are teaching and who we are teaching. So this love is more powerful than any skillful or systematic catechesis we could offer. Love is the foundation of everything. And Augustine thinks that the love of the catechist is the chief concern, the first and primary thing, and the thing most capable of transforming hearts. And so Augustine says, the thread of discourse is affected by the very joy that we ourselves experience, and as a consequence is delivered more easily and received more gratefully. He also says, people listen to us with much greater pleasure when we ourselves take pleasure in the same work of instruction. And he says, our chief concern is what means we should adopt to ensure that the catechizer enjoys his work, for God loves a cheerful giver. Um, so knowing this, I think when writing a talk or preparing a lesson, we can be consumed now less with the language and instead focus on falling in love with the doctrine all over again. We want the good news to hit us personally first so that we can speak from the heart out of that personal excitement. So never underestimate the power of your joyful witness. It's so capable of communicating the mystery to them. And God will speak through the stumbling words of a cheerful giver. So the second discouragement, or another obstacle that can cause a catechist to become weary that the deacon talks about, is the boredom of repeating simple truths. He describes it like this. We have weariness of mind because the subjects that the candidates have to be taught are now so thoroughly familiar to us and no longer necessary to our own progress. It irks us to return to them so often, and our mind, as having outgrown them, no longer moves with any pleasure in such a well-trodden and, as it were, childish paths. So I don't know if this is your first year of catechetical work or your 20th. We all face spiritual dryness at times where we don't feel excitement for the good news. Even though we know just how beautiful and life-changing it is, our head and our heart sometimes don't feel like they are lining up. We've heard the message of our faith and taught it again and again, and sometimes we lose that awe and wonder before it. But do you remember the first time you heard that good news and it was so captivating and provocative that it seemed to change everything? In one of the biggest ways our hearts can be reawakened to the beauty of the truth and our excitement for the good news can be rekindled is actually through experiencing our students encounter the good news for the first time. In Augustine's words, he explains, We are renewed in their newness, so that if our preaching as being a matter of routine is somewhat dull, it may grow interesting because of our hearers for whom it is all new. Our own delight is renewed by their delight at the novelty of the scene. So when they start living by this good news that we teach them, we see what we teach alive in them. And we can marvel at them being made new. And in turn, you will be made new and you will be refreshed in your own mission. The excitement at the very possibility of them passing over into a new life of faith will give you the excitement to proclaim the good news time and time again. Another discouragement um, that the deacon mentioned is that a hearer who remains unmoved makes the speaker weary. Um, so this can be a common struggle many youth ministers go through, is that they're discouraged because they don't see the word of God they've proclaimed bearing fruit in those they catechize. Their audiences seem very indifferent to the faith and not at all interested in what they have to say. But Augustine seems to express that more is happening within them than we can see, for we can't see into their minds. And the best way to figure out if one is actually indifferent or to help them grow out of this indifference is to take a personal approach to making disciples. So Augustine believed in giving individual instruction as far as possible. He would adapt the style of his teaching to, his, to a particular audience. 
He knew that no two people were evangelized the same way. As he said, the same medicine is not to be applied to all, although the same love is due. He was stirred differently according to whom he saw before him. He knew that the learned and the unlearned, the rich and the poor, a small group or a large group needed something entirely unique. He met the candidates where they were at as he asked them personally what they had already learned and what were their current needs or questions. And he used that place as the starting point of his catechesis. So much indifference or apathy comes from lack of understanding, having learned something already, or unanswered objections and questions. And Augustine didn't want the student to feel overwhelmed. He wanted to explain only what the student needed to hear, and he did so with simplicity and clarity. However, getting the student to open up just doesn't, it doesn't just happen. He taught us that we establish a brotherly fellowship with a student, where the student, he explains, is dislodged from their hiding place and their shyness is tempered, as our gentle encouragement brings him confidence. So in our cheerful giving, our student will show us themselves, and we can then catechize that unique person before us with your unique needs so that the gospel may take root in their hearts. So as you know, the gospel is truly transmitted from person to person. So let us be a student of the person and of our teens. Let us place ourselves in their shoes. Let us learn about their teenage world and culture, the families they belong to, what they love, what questions are on their hearts, and the things they're hungry for. So we've talked about some of his methodology, um, but the deacon also asked about content. What is it that I'm teaching? And so we when we teach the story of salvation history, which is what we're teaching, the narration of God's dealing with man from the creation of the world down to the present period of church history, they should all be referred to love as their final cause, is what Augustine says. The good news, or God's saving love, or the kerygma, should be the central theme of every catechesis we give. And Augustine says, it's like the gold which holds together in harmonious arrangement the jewels of an ornament. So we must show them that God's story is their family story, that they play a part in the love story of God. Every lesson should point our teens to the love that never ends. We should make it so clear what the doctrine or lesson has to do with God's personal love for them. They should walk away from the lesson knowing that what we taught proved God's love for them. They should hear us speak and at the same time hear in their heart, God loves me. So go forth with courage, catechists. Cultivate cheerfulness so that your love for the good news and your love for your teens will be the source from which you teach rather than your discouragements. Your love will change the world and make many disciples.